0: This is the Room Now Podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, Executive Editor of RoomNow.com. It's June 18th, 2021. We are the week after ULAR, and we're still churning out tons of ULAR info, podcasts, videocasts, articles, and tweets. This week, instead of reviewing the news, we're going to talk about education. You know, education's a big challenge, especially in this virtual world where It's so impersonal, we're so removed, it's hard to feel connected. Education really is about connections. It really is about engagements. So I'll start by asking you, where do you want to sit at a concert, at the ball game, at a Broadway play, or on a transcontinental flight? I would assume it's up front, where all the good stuff happens. Where do you want your kid to sit in school? First row and engaged? Or back row, disengaged, far sighted, not conforming, one foot out the door, and Lord knows what may happen after that. You want your kid to be engaged because when you're engaged, we're going to learn, right? Woody Allen famously said the line, 90% of success in life is showing up. And I kind of ascribe to that. I think it is important to show up, sometimes especially when you don't want to. But isn't showing up sometimes the same as punch my ticket stamp my hand where do I get my certificate and again that showing up isn't really what education is about not if you really want to learn so I'm making a big play here for engagement as the sole and most important measure of education and whether something is worth your time or not so when you ask the experts you know what was a great cons- a great a great lecture what do they like about it it usually is the engagement of course the speaker has their own measure of what was a great talk from a content standpoint but you know i've learned in the last few years that i can give a 1 hour lecture and get no questions i can give a half hour question a lecture and get a half hour of questions but i think some of the best sessions i've done are actually short group learning kind of scenarios where there's short lectures, short case discussions, and then there's 10, 12, a dozen people or 15 people in the room. And I'm the moderator. And it turns out, even though I'm the person who has the all the data and information, I become the arbiter of truth or data. And when your peers are discussing things, that's great education. Most people really feel like they get the most out of that. This is hard to do when we're isolated, but it is certainly possible. Um, this could happen as a result of, you know, how you view ULAR. You can get together in small groups and, and go over things afterwards. You can do the same thing with your grand rounds that, have, uh, that happen at your center. You know, we all measure education, or the measurement tool of education is CME. Yet if you look at CME, it's got a lot of weaknesses because CME is really about just showing up and getting the certificate. If you look at the, some of the the last reviews of CME and the, the future of CME, there's a big call for um, meaningful engagement. You know, new ways of presenting, uh, new ways of interacting, um, creating multiple exposures and um, using methodologies that allow people to integrate knowledge into practice. That's good education. So... Should education's purpose be to improve test performance? Nah, that was only important when you were in school. Really shouldn't have been that important there. Should it really be about integration of knowledge? Well, yeah, kind of. But I think education is great when it's meaningful, when it's either confirms my belief, strengthens my knowledge base, or it's transformational in what I know and what I'm comfortable with. Uh, And it leads to, in the end, self-improvement, makes me a better me, makes me a better rheumatologist. Ralph Nader has a quote that the function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not more followers. Actually, maybe the function of questioners is to create more questions. Because if you have more questions at any conference, any gathering you do, my goodness, is that not going to be one of the better gatherings one of the better educational exercises that you'll sit through. I learned a lot of my style, um, good or bad, from some of the people I've observed. Dr. Morris Ziff was um, my first chairman of rheumatology. He hired me, brought me to Dallas. And he was in the twilight of his career. He was 70-plus years of age. Um, And it didn't matter whether it was a small, you know, 10, 20-person conference or internal medicine grand rounds in a big amphitheater or a national convention, Dr. Ziff in his funny shoes and herringbone coat and dark black glasses and a notebook always marched down right before lecture and sat first row right in the middle because you knew he was paying attention. You knew he was going to ask the question, You dreaded that he might ask the hard questions. But again, it didn't matter the topic. That's where he was. Another really um, impactful character in my career is Roy Fleischman. Roy is also someone who always attends, is always integrated into the process and the the lecture, the, the symposia, whatever. But Roy is most known for asking the first question. And it's usually a hard one it usually shows that he's been thinking hard about what's been presented and he wants to challenge the 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 uh, the speaker or the audience as to what they may know and how we're going to move the needle on education here so i don't know it's important to be the first questioner first questioners are people who are seeking or showing off uniqueness innovation sometimes controversy sometimes self engrandizement you know, but aside from the ego parts of this, the first questioner is the hand grenade into the room. It needs to happen. Someone needs to do it. It's gigantically important. Seth Godin has a podcast where he's talking about, um, first choices and it was about what uh, it was a store and it was uh, for bicycle rentals. And a couple would come in and rent two bikes and the owner would ask, Do you want a helmet or not? And what was true was the person who spoke first made the decision, set the tone, and the second person went along with it. So there is an important role for speaking up first. You do set the tone. You might lead the discussion. But there needs to be a grenade into the room. But again, when it comes to education, it's not jeopardy. So the first question is not the most important and getting it right's not important. Again, uh, Carl Sagan that said there are no stupid questions. There are a lot of different types of questions, but none of them are stupid. And I truly believe that because even when I think of a, a question, I'd say, oh boy, that's a silly question or that's not the question I would ask. A good speaker can always turn that into a great question with a really interesting answer that probably no one was prepared to um, to hear. So... I think that if you're the host or you're the moderator, you do have the role of if someone's not asking that first question, not throwing that first grenade into the room, you have to. And it doesn't have to be a fabulous question. It doesn't have to be a mind bender or a game changer. You just need to, get, need to get the ball rolling because there's sort of a, a threshold that needs to be overcome in everyone's shyness to get education going. So why not just throw it out there? Why not make some big mistakes? Not, why not learn a lot from big mistakes and hard questions? It's all really helpful because it builds character. It builds leadership. It helps mentoring. Uh, it helps your peers. Some of you say, well, I'm just not that guy. I'm just not the kind that wants to ask the first question, the outlandish question and whatnot. And that's okay. It's okay to be a pensive, quiet learner. But I'll use a line from Billy Joel, who said, my silence is my self-defense. Sometimes you got to break out of your shell because you need to be engaged, you need to be involved. So you can hang back, you can make your cogent evaluations, but being a part of the story, being a part of the, the discussion makes this a really great event, no matter what the format and where you are. So questions can be about what you don't know, what you're not clear about what the speaker didn't address, they can be questions to the audience Say, hey, what do you think about what this clown just said? I don't really know whether I should agree with him or not. And now you're inviting everybody else to do what needs to be done. I think if you want to hang back and ask that private question to the speaker afterwards because you're shy and you don't want to seem stupid, well, that's a shame because private questions only benefit you. Public questions benefit everybody. Public questions drive the conversation. Why not be, and it might be the third, fourth, or ninth question, but that could be the one that ignited the educational fireworks, that, you know, poked that sleeping bear and made for a great conference. Again, engagement is everything. So this is not about standing out. This is about standing up. This is about playing your role as a participant in education and education is going to be great, especially now in a virtual world when we're all involved. So I'm asking you, begging you, that we should all jump in. Doesn't matter if the waters are warm or cold, just matters that we all get wet in education and that it's the shared experience, the interchange that really leads to enrichment and a better you. That's it for this week's Room Now podcast. Tune in next week for more cool and interesting stuff.